0: listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Good morning. My name is Becky Argetta, and I serve in the Kids Connection Today, I'll be reading Luke twelve thirty-five through 48. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? I love Peter, y'all. He's awesome. <laughs> And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom this master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Think back on a day that there was an event that was to happen later in the day. And you were anxiously anticipating that event. Now, if you want to, go way back in your memory and you know who she was, you know who he was. And it's okay if if it's not the one you're with right now. It's okay. Cuz it may have been your very first date. It may have been the first time you ever were able to go out with that one that you've just had your eye on or had no idea they had their eye on you. But you had to get up in the morning, you had to get ready. You had to go to school. You had to go through all the classes, and of course they were going to be the most boring classes of the day. And they weren't going to be 45 to 55 minutes that day. No, every class was going to be an hour and a half long. At least in your mind, that's the way it felt it was. Because you had your sights set on 6.30, 7.30. Maybe, maybe it was that wedding day. That It was scheduled you thought this is gonna be a great idea it's gonna be a great idea to have this scheduled at 6 30 in june it'll be dark at 6 30 except in june it's not dark at 6 30 so really all we've got going for us now is we've just got to wait all day long when you have something that you're looking forward to It captivates your thoughts. It it absolutely captivates your every action. Where you might would take on opportunities to hang out with a buddy a little longer than you thought. Where you might have taken an opportunity to go and do or volunteer or be flexible on a day when you're anticipating something exciting. Every decision you make, Every choice that comes your way, you're going to make it based on what's happening later on today. Because you don't want to get yourself distracted. You don't want to go off with your buddy, hey, let's just run off to such and such. Because I know when I go off with him, he says we're going to go here. We're going to go a half a dozen other places getting back home and I, I, I can't be late. I gotta have time to get ready. I gotta have time to get dressed. I gotta have time to work miracles if God so chooses before this special event that happens. I've got lots to, and everything in my mind is focused on that thing coming. Jesus transitions his teaching here to his disciples from the matter of worry, where. Where he was instructing them not to worry about the needs of this life. You have needs, I have needs, we are limited, we, 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 don't, we don't have the ability to provide for ourselves everything ourself needs. God says, your father knows this. Your father knows exactly what you need, way more than you do. And you're worried about all this stuff that everybody else in the world is worried about. What you need to do is trust your father to faithfully provide. And you can trust him because look at all this stuff that doesn't matter. The flowers of the field, the birds of the air. They, they don't matter in the big eternal scope of things. They matter to God, but as far as we're concerned, they're just window dressing. And yet he cares for them and doesn't miss a lick in those arenas. And you're far more valuable than any flower or bird will ever be you can trust him to faithfully provide okay jesus says and then what i want you to do is focus on the kingdom if you focus all your energies on the kingdom then all of these things will be provided and will be added according to god's will don't worry and then he begins here in verse number 35 with a great means by which to avoid worry. He gives them the the perfect answer to how in the world am I going to not worry about these things that I need right now because I need them right now. He says, I'm going to tell you, get your eyes on the things that are to come. As we read in these few verses we're going to find Jesus talking about things that, that these disciples hadn't heard of before. And Jesus was famous for doing that. He had already told them, by the way, we're headed to Jerusalem. Awesome! Because he's Messiah and we know what Messiah is going to do. We're going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to set up his kingdom and we're going to be back in business, baby. We're going to be back where God had promised we was going to be. It's going to be awesome. And Jesus says, no, 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 we're going to Jerusalem so that I can be betrayed and so that I can be crucified, be rejected, but then I'll be raised on the third day. These disciples are like, I, I, I don't understand what you're talking about. That doesn't make sense to me because they didn't know God's biggest plan. They only knew the portions that they'd been taught and, and they never put pieces together that... I think they probably could have, but it still would have been confusing. And now Jesus is explaining these things. He's preparing them for the days that are to come in their life. And so he's famous for introducing things they'd never heard before. And so now Jesus does that again. When he starts talking about a future in which the master, the son of man, will return. And I think probably as he begins talking about this, in the disciples' mind, they're beginning to go, I wonder if he's talking about that return from the dead that he's mentioned. Maybe that's what he's saying. Actually, what Jesus does is he begins to give them a glimpse into the future. Now, I know that uh, that most every Sunday... That, uh, that Larry and Johnny Jordan, they were here last week. Wasn't that cool that they were able felt, felt good enough to come back last week? That was awesome. And I have every confidence that they watch every week. So I feel like they're watching online right now. And Larry has made it a point every time I see him to encourage me how excellent it would be for us to do a study on the end times. And I have for many, many, many months tried to kick that can down the road. And so, what I'm going to say is, is that right here, Jesus is talking about it. And I realize I'm probably going to have to spend some time in the days to come to kind of tie all these things together. So, I probably will be delving into some prophecy in the days to come. But don't watch your, you know, your watch. Probably watch your calendar on that, right? Because I got to get ready for it. But what Jesus is doing, he's giving them a glimpse of things that they have only heard about as they sat in synagogues and listened to the the teachers read from the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and then hearing in Daniel about this Son of Man and and, and these, these events that come in and around what they were very familiar with, what was called the Day of the Lord. And so they were anticipating something in the future... Where, where God would ultimately bring all things together according to his plan, but they had it in their mind. That's what Jesus was here to do now. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Let me just give you a glimpse of the future so that you can get your eyes locked, and that's going to help you to not be distracted by the things going on around you that you want to worry so much about. Jesus says, I want you to be prepared for the things that are to come. Isn't that the Boy Scout motto? motto? Be prepared. You, you, You can't be prepared if you still need to get prepared. Is that right? Of course. We're fortunate in Florida. The storms that we need to get prepared for take several days, sometimes a week or more, to get here. And we still wait till the day before to go try to buy water that everybody else has bought. So we, we get a little lazy in Florida because we got time. You're in an area of the country that deals with tornadoes. You don't have that luxury. You got to be prepared. When you're in the military, you don't have the luxury of, you know, well, yeah, I know I got things I got to. No, you've got to be prepared all the time. You've got to be ready for whatever you're asked to do at all times. Jesus says, get your focus on the kingdom Get your mind on what's to come and you can put all your eggs in the basket of what I've called you to do. He's going to show how that we can focus our attention on the future, but allow that to dictate how we operate today. He's going to say three things. He's going to say, stay ready. He's going to say, keep watching. He's going to say, remain faithful. Stay ready. Keep watching. Keep watching remain faithful. Verse 35. The Bible says, stay dressed for action. Now, this is a, this is kind of an interesting little construction that gets translated. So, this is a good translation of this. Basically, it's an imperative to be. You you need to be, and it's in a perfect uh, uh, tense, and so, therefore, it's a, it's an idea of an always be. So, it's the to be verb, but you need to Always be. Be ready what? Well, the words that follow it have the idea of having your loins gird. Wait a minute. Where does that, where do I remember that? Well, Ephesians chapter number six talks about the armor of God. What's the first piece of the armor of God? Having on the belt of truth, having your loins gird, so it 's this idea of this central uh, piece of the armor that everything else is going to click onto, and that you're going to really be very vulnerable, even if you have every other piece, but don 't have your loins gird. Peter's going to pick up that in, in, in several years. He's going to pick up that idea of talking about having the loins of your mind girded. So, so you're constantly, you know, centralizing and getting your focus. He says, here's what you do. If you're going to avoid worry and you're going to keep your, your mind stayed on the kingdom, then I want you to get your focus on the future that is to come and stay ready. How did they gird their loins? Well, they didn't wear pants in those days. Everybody wore robes. Men wore robes. Women wore robes. They looked a little different. They, they, you know, accentuated themselves differently, but they all had these flowing robes. Well, it's difficult to do any type of, of, of manual labor or any type of athletic activity if you have these flowing Things around your legs. It's just hard to be active. I think about those girls that went to the very conservative Christian schools back in the '60s and '70s and '80s that had to play basketball in gauchos. You know, those are those pants that you know were basically a skirt with a split in them. And I'm like, man, those poor girls. They are having to work harder than everybody else because they're playing in all that cloth. Well, what lo- uh, girding your loins would be as a as a person as a as a fella in particular, if you needed to be active, you needed to have all that extra cloth out of the way. And so what they would do is they would reach down and they would they would grab the backside of their cloak and they would pull it up from behind. So that's gathering up the front part of the cloak. They pull it up from behind. They pull out their belt and they'd stuff it and wrap it around in their belt. So basically making a pair of shorts out of their robe they would gird up and now all of a sudden well I got full range of motion here now I can move along I can get things done because I've girded up my loins Jesus says stay ready now Chad Jones uh, coached Does coach middle school basketball had opportunity to help him for a couple of years one of the things he kept driving into those middle schoolers was to Stay in a ready position. I mean knees bent ready to go. I'm sure Owen. He's still doing that He's talking about being in a ready position because if you're just kind of standing around You know, you're just hanging out. Guess what's going to happen? Opposing team gonna blow right by you because why you're not ready you're trying to catch up You're trying to 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 react instead of being prepared Jesus says, you you don't have to worry about the things that you need today if you will just simply stay ready in, in, in matters of the kingdom. If you'll just keep yourself focused, if you'll just keep yourself engaged with the master, you can stay ready You'd be ready for whatever challenge, for whatever difficulty, for whatever activity you have coming up, you'll be ready to go. So stay ready. And then he moves to another illustration talking about preparedness and readiness. He says, and keep your lamps burning. It's like the idea of, again, in hurricane season. You need to make sure not only that you have a flashlight, but what do you also need for that flashlight? You need batteries. Batteries that you bought five, six, seven years ago might not be sufficient for what you need in the storm. That's why Duracell started putting those little checkers on there that you could check. You know, start out with a the package, then on a the battery, you know, then they started making them where they would last longer because those things run out. So you've got to be thinking ahead. Not only do I need a flashlight and I need batteries, but I need fresh batteries so that they will last a long time. Well, for these guys, they didn't have flashlights or batteries, but they did have little clay lamps with wicks that held oil. The idea here is that you have enough oil to last as long as you need. For them, on a daily basis, they may think, you know, they would look into their, they would look into their little uh, clay lamp, and they would go, ah, I got, you know, I got a fourth of a fourth of a pot here. I'm good. I mean, we're going to bed here in a little while. I'm gonna blow this lamp out. No big deal. I can get some more tomorrow. Basically, the way we operate with our fuel tank. We look at it and we say, yeah, 20 miles till empty, where I got to go? You know, you work that thing down to four miles and and then be worrying about where you going to run into the next wah-wah, right? So hurricane comes along, what are you doing? You filling that tank up. I mean, it doesn't matter if you've got three-quarters of a tank. You're going to get in line. You're going to fill up that tank. Why? Because if power goes out, you don't know how long it's going to be out. And, and you know if you've gone through a, 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 a hurricane, a long-time hurricane, I, I can only am I hear stories that, you know, when, when power's out for a long time, it gets hot real quick. And, and hot for a long time will drive a man crazy. And so it's pretty nice to be able to go out and get in the car, turn the AC on high, right? And let that thing blow. Some of y'all who went through, I think Charlie came through. And y'all probably blew a lot of cold air. So you're glad you have it. You're prepared. Jesus says, stay in a ready position. Be ready for whatever God calls and whatever God allows and gives you the opportunity. Kingdom-wise, be ready. And have enough oil to hang and do no matter the time of the day. Stay ready. A ready servant is always ready. I'm telling you, y'all have got a bright pastor. He's a wordsmith. A ready servant is always ready a ready servant doesn't have to be looked for I mean, think about folks that maybe you maybe you've had a team of people at your work and, and, and maybe you know what it's like to have that one guy that one gal that everybody's always looking for we're trying to get this thing down like, well, where where's so and so again I don't know. They went make a call or something. I don't know. In their bathroom again. They say, "Look a ready servant doesn't have to be searched for because they're always ready. They're ready to represent and serve his or her master. They're always on duty. Now the the idea is not that you never sleep." that you never take vacation, that you never, you know, just breathe a minute. But the idea is that you never get out of your focus, even when you're resting. If you're resting and something comes, you're ready to get up and go. It, it, it doesn't matter if you're on vacation, you stay the person that you are. You stay the follower of Jesus that you are. You just don't have to punch the clock this morning. You get to be ready in a more relaxed environment. It's, it's the idea that we're always on duty. We're always ready. I think about people who, uh, we, this morning I had some golf balls handed to Gabe Steve. He said he was a golfer, so I, I had a uh, set. came in the mail. It's just a few there was a time when I played more golf. I don't play hardly at all now, ever. There was a time that I played, and there was a time that I had my clubs in the back of my car. You know why? Because you never know when somebody was going to say, hey, you want to go try to get nine in? I'm like, mm-hmm, I think we can, because I was, I was ready to go. I didn't have to go home and get my, my clubs. I, 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 didn't have, I was ready. had shoes, socks, change of clothes, clubs in the back. I was ready For golf at any time. Now spin that around. Ready for service. Can servant, will you be willing to get nine in for me? Yes, sir, I'm ready. Let's go. Got I I got I got a change in the back. Whatever you need, Lord, stay ready. And then he says, keep watching. Verse 36. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and he knocks. So Jesus used a very familiar illustration. So weddings... And that day a little different than weddings in our day weddings in our day happen you know at the time and then they you know go through the ceremony and then there's going to be a reception sometimes they're short receptions where you can actually leave and nobody nobody even misses you that you didn't go to the reception because not much there to do anyway and then sometimes you had to RSVP three years before the event so that they would have time to save up for all that was going to be happening at that event because there was going to be supper, there was going to be a band, there was going to be very bad dancing, and there was going to be all kinds of stuff going on because, you know, some weddings last longer. We, we don't know anything about long weddings. For, for these people, it was very common for weddings to go and the feast that accompanied a wedding to go up to a week long. Now just imagine that, having to be around those folks eating your food and drinking your wine, hanging at your house for a week. No way, but that was their custom. That was their reality. Jesus says, I want you to stay ready. I want your loins to be girded. I want you to be like the people of Israel on Passover night, when God was bringing the death angel over in Egypt and everyone who had the blood sprinkled on their doorpost and was inside taking part of the, of the Passover sacrifice was going to be safe from death. but Everybody who didn't have the blood was going to experience the death of the firstborn. So I want you to eat that meal, but I want you to have your loins girded. Well, it's going to be nighttime. That's okay. It ain't time to rest. It's time to eat and be ready because when Pharaoh says Get out! I want you to be ready to say, Yes, sir. And I want you to pack up your stuff and be ready to go. Jesus said, have your loins gird, have your lamp ready, always be on duty for your master. Be ready at every turn for whatever he has for you in representing him. And then I want you to keep watching for his call. I want you to keep watching for him like the servants of a master who's gone off on a wedding feast. All right, fellas, I'm going. So-and-so and so and so and so's getting married. They're going to be over in the next town. I'm going to go. I got an invitation, so I'm going to go to the wedding feast. Master, how long will you be gone? <laughs> Y'all know I got a clue. You know, I, you never know with these folks. it will be there a couple of days. could be there a week. I, I really don't know. And he couldn't send them a quick text as he was pulling out. He wasn't going to send a messenger back home. That would have been ex- expensive and unnecessary. He just said, I'm going away. I, I'll be back when the feast is over. Okay, Lord, off he went. He says, I want you to be like servants when the master is gone, that they're ready for him whenever he gets home. Like, they don't look at this as an opportunity for the cat to be away and the mice to play or just to sit back. We'll play cards. I listen, uh, you know, sometimes... <laughs> I love, I just I love imagining what it looked like. My wife talks about her and her brother. They knew what time that their mom got home, got off work, and would have to get home. There were chores they would have to do. I just I like to imagine her and he just you know going nuts with the last fifteen minutes to spare. You know we got to do an hour's worth of work in fifteen minutes, throwing and doing and making it happen, and then making it look like we were we were done with what well, we were doing with this a half hour ago, mom. I was glad to see you home. You know, so he's like. I want you to be like servants who know you're gone but know that you could return at any moment nothing more embarrassing than the master to come home and knock on his door and to find his servants have locked the door and they're all in bed asleep now I got to figure out a way to get into my own house I got folks who were supposed to be doing this. One author that I read behind said that if Jesus may have even been talking about the master going to his own wedding feast and then bringing his bride home from the wedding feast. I thought that's a pretty good example. You bring your bride home, you're like, I expect y'all to be ready when I get there, right? I expect to open my own door to my own house. Jesus said, I want you to be like those servants who are ready no matter what. And he says those servants are going to be blessed in verse 37, who keep watching, who keep alert, who stay ready. They're going to be blessed when the master finds them awake when he comes. And then he says something absolutely unimaginable to these listeners he says truly I say to you when this master comes and finds his servants waiting faithfully for him waiting and and ready to serve him he the master will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table who the slaves the servants and he will come and serve them. This was, this was unheard of for these people listening. I'd never heard of any master coming in and saying, you know what? Let me serve y'all. Anybody watch the series Downton Abbey? So have I. Now, nah, it, it wasn't so bad, but it was, it was long, okay? But the one thing that was certain about it, and for all you guys out there that are trying to take my man card, listen, I was living graciously, okay? One thing that I noticed was that when the, when the royals or the, the whatever you call them, Kathy, whatever they were, the nobles, when they would come into contact with the servants, I mean, some of them would even try to have like common conversations with them. You know, like, hey, how are you doing? Can I sit down here with y'all? And they were like, no, you can't sit here. This is our table. You got the table upstairs. You got the bell you got to ring. We got to come up there and serve you. You can't sit down here, have bowl cereal with us. You cannot do that. It's not proper. Well, multiply that, and that's what these hearers were hearing. He's telling me the master of the home is going to come home. And he's going to do what? Yeah. He's going to put the serving garment on. And he's going to say, you guys sit down at the table. Let me make something up for y'all. Oh, it's going to be good. And the disciples was like, this sounds strange. Imagine how they must have felt in the upper room on the night that Jesus was betrayed. When he took off his outer garment, draped a towel around him, got on his hands and knees to wash their dirty, stinking feet. But they're hearing about this notion. A master serving the slaves? Yeah. Blessed are they who stay ready... Who continue to watch, who are remaining faithful and are are active about what they've been called and set apart to do. Because when the master comes in, he's going to be so excited about their faithfulness that he's actually going to serve them. But they got to keep watching verse 38 because if he comes in the second watch... Or in the third, watch and finds them awake, blessed are they. What, what's he saying? He's saying for, for them to be ready, they got to be prepared for a long night. Now the Romans and the, and the Jews, they had different uh, numbering allocations for, for how they uh, uh, determine like time blocks in the night shifts if you will for those who would watch for enemy uh combatants coming toward them they would have the first watch the second the third if you were roman the fourth watch if you were a jew it would have been the first second and third we're not sure which one luke was referring to but what he's saying is is that jesus is saying he could come anytime generally speaking between 9 p.m and 6 a.m., now from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., what's most everybody in here over 30 trying real hard to do? Thank you. you trying to sleep. Those of you over 45 are not trying. you doing. And I'm finding as I'm getting over into them other decades... At nine o'clock hour, it looks a whole lot like midnight used to. Okay? Jesus says, you've got to stay ready. You've got to be in it for the long haul. You know what it is between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. during this time of the year in Florida? You know what it is? It's dark. It's dark. Well, what do we need in the dark? We need a lamp. What do we need if we're gonna have a lamp in the dark? We need enough oil to last from nine to six. That's a good long time when the lamp would normally be blown out, but we've got our focus on something different. I mean, we prepared ourselves because we know the master could come back. And we know we have no idea when he's going to get back. We have no idea when he's going to look at those folks and say, you know what, the party's been fun, I got to go home, I got to get some rest. We want to be ready, we want to have the lamps lit, we want to be girded up so we're ready to serve, we're ready to do business, whatever it is he needs. We're always on duty. Even if it's late. Even if it's inconvenient. Even if it's really dark. Now, I don't know if Jesus meant that when he would come back that it would be dark in our world. I don't know if that's what he meant in this parable, but I know that's what the reality is. This world is a dark place, but we have a lamp. We have a light that can stay lit, and we have the opportunity to stay ready and to keep watching. (laughs) He carries on with another illustration. Not only the man going to the wedding feast, but he says, but, but what about this? But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. I know some have experienced to come home and find their homes broken into. I imagine that gives you a sick to your stomach feeling. We have alarms, we have, you know, security systems, we have other Second Amendment type apparatus that we have in our homes because, you know what, thieves and robbers are real and we're concerned about those things. We want to try to protect as best we can. Jesus said, if you knew the day and time that the thief and the robber was planning, what would you do? He's like, well, I'd be sitting up. I'd be sitting up. I'd already have the the cops called. They'd be around the corner. As soon as he came to the door, as the crowbar went in, I mean, they'd be pulling around. They'd be taking him off. We'd be ready for him. But you know what you couldn't also be doing at the same time? Sacked out. Getting your your beauty sleep. You couldn't be at the movies. Why? Because it would happen and you wouldn't be there. If you knew, you'd be prepared. Jesus says... Just like the thief comes at a time you're not expecting, you also must be ready, verse 40, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you don't expect. Oh, wait a minute. The son, okay, these, he's not just giving us illustrations now. He's talking about himself. He's referred to himself before as the Son of Man. Now, now he's talking about the Son of Man returning. Jesus, what, what are you talking about? I'm talking about staying ready. If you're a follower of mine, you need to be ready all the time, always on duty, always watching, knowing that he could come back. And what's he looking for? He's looking for his servants to be busy. He's not looking for his servants to be done. The work won't be done. He's looking for us to be busy, to be faithful, to be ongoing and ready for his return. It'll come at any time. And then Peter goes, Lord, are um, you you talking just to us? Are you talking to everybody? Are you talking just to your followers? Are you talking to everybody? We're kind of confused You're talking about returning. We didn't know you was going away. And and, and what, what is it that you're talking about? Jesus doesn't answer him directly. But he gives him another parable illustration about faithfulness. The Lord says, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? The manager, the chief servant, when the master's gone, he's, he's given the opportunity to serve the other servants, to provide for their needs, to, to give of what is the master's to the other servants. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. When the master comes back, and he sees that, the, that the, the steward of the other servants has been faithfully serving them, then he will bless that servant by giving him more responsibility. So Jesus, who is it that you're talking about? He's talking about those who would identify as servants of Messiah. Now, in the crowd, who would consider themselves... Servants of Messiah? The answer to that question is everyone. Who is in the crowd? Well, you've got those that are curious, you've got those that are convinced. And then you've got those that have rejected that this man is Messiah, but still saw themselves as servants of the real Messiah whenever he shows up. But I'm not following this Jesus because that's not the one. So everyone in the crowd considered themselves a servant of God. Some weren't sure about Jesus being Messiah. Some were convinced he was. Some had wholly rejected Jesus says when the master returns, the ones he finds being faithful, having faith in him, having uh, received his word and, and are faithfully putting it to practice in their lives and are faithfully walking with other servants of his, then he will bless and reward them for their faithfulness. Who could this blessed servant be in the crowd? Any one of them. It all depended upon whether they were faithful, having embraced Jesus, and were they faithful in serving him. So he says, they'll be blessed, but, 45. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour when he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Cut him to pieces. Let that sink in. You say, what did Jesus mean by that? He meant cut him... Two pieces. You say, that just doesn't sound like something Jesus would say. It is something Jesus said. He said it in Matthew. Matthew recorded it too. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that when the master returns and finds someone who identified themselves as a servant of Messiah, but had rejected the Messiah... And did their own thing, which was in complete opposition to the calling and the ministry and the the work of Messiah. When Messiah comes back, he's going to look at that one and he's going to reject that one as a servant. Going to cut him to pieces and consider him or uh, put him with the unfaithful. This word unfaithful means of no faith. Having no faith in the Messiah, this one did their own thing, thinking they were serving, but come to find out, guess what they really were? Unbelievers. And there were some in that crowd who saw themselves as the upper crust of servants of messiah we got the robes we got the hats we got the place in line we got the seats at the table to prove it jesus says messiah returns and finds them having rejected beat his servants and got drunk and wasted his on themselves he's gonna set them apart as unbelievers he goes on though Verse 47, 48, and that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. So if the first servant was someone who blatantly disobeyed, proving that he was not a believer, then this second servant was a believer who knew to be faithful, but just didn't. They knew what they were called to do. They knew how they were supposed to represent Jesus. They just, eh, I'll do some of that. I'm not, I'm not focus my life on that, but I'll, I'll do a little of that here and there. This one, he says, will receive a severe beating. Now, within the illustration, obviously, you know, Jesus is not talking about cutting people up. literally. But the, the, the figure is making the point of complete destruction. This one is receiving a severe beating. But they're not being put with the unfaithful. They're just being punished for their unfaithfulness. I think about 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 through 15. It talks about those who, instead of laying up for themselves or, or, or doing works that would be considered uh, gold and silver and precious stones, their life consisted of wood, hay, and stubble. And when that gets thrown through the fire of God's judgment, guess what happens? They get burnt up. They get in because of their faith in Jesus, but only by the skin of their teeth. They got nothing to show for it, and they suffer severe loss of reward. Well, I'm in, but only by the grace of God that I don't even have anything to offer him out of faithfulness. These are the servants that knew to do and just didn't. This, this is where those of us who are followers of Jesus, we need to perk our ears up. We need to listen. Listen. Because we can get really distracted by the stuff going on in this world. Jesus said, I want you to keep your focus on the kingdom. I want you to keep your focus on the return of Christ. I want you to stay busy. And I want you to work. And I want you to be faithful. This last one, but the one who did not know and did what was deserving a beating will receive a light beating. Well, this is the the person who has faith in in Jesus, but I think hasn't been discipled. Whose fault is that? Ours. They hadn't been discipled. They hadn't been trained. They don't know what to do. But just because you don't know what to do doesn't mean your actions weren't unfaithful. Well, they too will suffer loss, but it won't be nearly like what the one who knew to do. Because Jesus says, because everyone to whom much is given... Of him much will be required, and from him to whom has been entrusted much, much will be demanded. Jesus is talking about how we live today based on what our attention is on, so that when he returns. He'll find us active. He'll find us ready. He'll find us prepared and busy and faithful. I wrote down, I don't have time to flesh it out, but I wrote down about being faithful broadly and narrowly. Broad faithfulness means just representing Christ. Just every, everybody has the same kind of of arenas. We got the home. We got our communities. We've got our, you know, our schools, our work, our, our, our neighborhoods. So it's just, it's just representing Jesus wherever we're at. But then we've got that narrow faithfulness where we know how God has gifted us uniquely for the purpose of using that gift in order to bring Him glory, in order to represent Him well, in order to let our light shine in that particular area of gifting, spiritually speaking. He wants to see us broadly faithful, but He also wants to see us narrowly faithful. Because that's what He wants to to find us doing when he returns so that he might gird himself up and have us sit down and let him make us up something for his glory and for our blessing. (coughs) Stay ready. Keep watching. Remain faithful. Personal application. What are you most ready for right now? be honest like what are you most ready to do right now if if it's the golf clubs in the back be, be honest about it in your heart you don't tell me if, if it's you know whatever it is if it's vacation if it's a you know if it's an activity if, it just what it could be a nap what are you most ready to do? What are you most ready to change any other plan or adjust it? If I have an opportunity to this, then I'm gonna, I, I can tweak this over here. I'm going to jump on that. What are you most ready to do? Jesus says, I, I want you to be most ready for me. Not just my return, but to serve me. I want you to be most ready to reflect me. You got a decision to make? Awesome. I want you to be most ready to make that decision on the basis of how that's going to reflect on me. You, you, you got a, a thing to do? I want you to do that thing in such a way that it reflects on me. You got a, a, a difficult conversation you need to have someone? I want you to do it in a way. Be ready to do that in a way that's going to reflect me most positively on the gospel and on me second question how much time of your day is actually spent considering the at any moment return of jesus like when was the last time you thought you know what jesus could come back like before the hour's over because I think what he's saying is, I want you all to think that way. I want you to I want you to be constantly not anxious about daddy coming home and not having a grass cut. I want you to be eagerly anticipating. I want you to be not so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. That's I mean that's funny. I want you to think about the fact that I could could be right here on the the turn of the half hour and to let that motivate you to keep watch, to keep active, to keep faithful. The last question. How is your faithfulness as a follower of Christ right now in representing Jesus both broadly and narrowly. Are you representing Jesus broadly? Is it, is it just happening naturally at home? Is it just happening naturally at work, school, play? You know, where, wherever you're at. Is it, just, is it just happening? Were you being faithful to Him? You're letting your light shine? If it's not, we need to adjust that. We need to confess that. It's sin. We need to get our focus on the right things. We need to stop worrying about the other stuff get our attention on Him. How are you... Faithfully serving narrowly. Like, I don't know what that means. Well, that means you probably ought to find out how God has gifted you and begin to use that for His glory by His power. Because if He gave you the gift, He'd give you the power to use it for His glory. Today would be a great day to say, Wow, Lord, you know what? I, I thought a lot about worry last week. I'm trying not to worry about stuff, but you know what? It's been tough. Because honestly, hadn't had my focus on the kingdom, which I could be helped if I get my attention on your return. And let that motivate my readiness, my watchfulness, and my faithfulness. Wouldn't we love to, to, for him to find us busy? Wouldn't, we lo- wouldn't it be awesome to have him say, sit down right there? Let, let, Let me make you something. Let me serve you. He's got a history of doing that, and he wants to keep on. Some of it depends on our faithfulness. All of it depends on his graciousness. And it all begins by faith. in Jesus crucified in your place and mine. And raised from the dead. Victorious over sin. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness to us. When we are unfaithful, and that is most of the time, you are always faithful. You're always good. God, help us to recognize where we need to get ready. And give us the courage to be ready and stay ready God, help us to be reminded that your, turn, your, your return is at any moment. And that we need to be watching. And we need to be letting that dictate the decisions we make. And God, we just ask that you'll help us to be faithful. Show us where we've gotten lazy. Give us the courage to just call it what it is. Repent. That's sin. But get up. And know that you're ready for us to get up. And be used again. Be useful. Father, I pray that you'll help us today. Encourage us. I think that's what this passage is about. Yes, it's a warning, but it's an encouragement. Help us, Father, to be encouraged by your faithfulness that we too might be. We love you and we thank you. First, in Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said.